Y'all see that? Did you see that? Try to push me off the stage, man. Yeah. Hey, good morning, church. So good to see everyone here this morning, except for those online. We see you too, but in a different way. Glad to have you. Um, this is a special Sunday. I'm really excited for what we have here. I believe to my core you're going to be blessed. You're going to be challenged. Um, if you've been part of Austin Oaks Church or with us for like the last two years, we have this rhythm where we do these things called Celebration Sundays. And this day was planned to be kind of like your typical Celebration Sunday, but as the scriptures tell us, man makes his plans, but the Lord directs steps. And we are having Celebration Sunday, but it's gonna be a little bit different. And I'm really excited about it. We're gonna hear from seven individuals in our church how God is moving in their hearts, how God has used discipleship to help them to know Jesus this morning, also to share kind of the ups and downs of their discipleship journey, not personally, but also like how they've been trying to disciple other people. If you've been with us in 2 Timothy, we've already seen this constant call. Like Paul says to Timothy, I know your faith is sincere. Fan into flame. We don't have a spirit of fear, but one of power, of love, and sound mind. Telling Timothy to not be ashamed of Jesus, to not be ashamed of the gospel. Remembering the context that Paul is in. He's in a prison cell awaiting his execution. Constantly exhorting Timothy, Jesus is worth it. And what we see so far in 2 Timothy is that we need one generation to declare the works of God to the younger generation. It is so significant. It's something that we cannot overlook. And that's why I'm excited this morning to be able to talk about this. Okay, so we're going to have two different groups of panelists come up, and we're going to hear a final send-out word from someone who's just sweet and dear to my heart, and we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. So if you do not have it right now, I want to encourage you, your communion elements, they're on the back table. We won't judge you if you get up and walk back there and grab them right now. You're totally good. That helps us with our transition from here to the next stage, but also we're going to celebrate life change through baptism. So... I want to introduce to you and welcome up three women of Austin Oaks Church that love Jesus, that take the call to follow Jesus seriously. I love it. We have Brenda Lucky, Sandy Jensen, and Morgan Nearman. Come on up. And I get to grill them. So right here. These women are powerhouses for Jesus. They serve faithfully. They have served faithfully for many years. They love Jesus. They take the call of making disciples seriously. And so this is really an honor to be able to have this time and to be able to ask these questions. And so I'm going to ask questions that will be open for all three of you to answer. So you can be polite and just look at each other for a while and be like, who wants to answer it? But you can just do your thing. And then I got specific questions. But let's just start out with this. Can you all share with us who are the people in your lives who have shown you that Jesus is absolutely worth everything by their words and how they lived? Well, I'll start off. My grandmother walked the walk. She didn't just talk the talk. She 
gave birth to nine children. She watched one of them die a long, hard death with bone cancer. Her faith never failed. She never questioned God. I have never known anyone like her. She is my inspiration, and she was my granny, so my grandkids call me Granny. That's, mm. that's who I want to be. I want to be my grandma. That's so sweet. And I'm going to um, agree with that. I had an amazing heritage, grandparents and parents that loved Jesus, that brought him into our lives. They faithfully served. Uh, my dad was a pastor of a free church. So um, uh, this field felt like home as soon as we came to Austin and we're here. And um, the other people that also spoke into our lives were the um, spiritual family that we had in each church that we were at. Mm. Um, the, the wonderful people, our Sunday school teachers, youth leaders, all the people that spoke into our lives that discipled us as we grew. And um, I'm so thankful for them. That's so sweet. Good. Um, for me, I would say that I didn't grow up in a Christian home. And so um, the most prominent person that I can think of was when I was in high school, I started going to Austin Oaks. And I shared this at the women's gathering, but a woman named Jennifer Tillette, who was on staff here at the time, really intentionally invested in me and it changed my life forever. And I would say that she also walked the walk and anyone who knew her knew that she deeply loved discipleship. She loved bringing people in to know who Jesus was and walking closely with other people. So I would say that Jennifer for me. That's so sweet. You know, as we've been looking at Second Timothy chapter one where Paul is like going, hey Timothy, I know of your faith, and I love that you said this too, like your grandma, you know, has influenced your lives and even your parents, the same thing, like Paul even called out to Timothy, like your grandmother and your mom, I'm sure that same faith resides in you, so that's, that's an amazing testimony, which I hope grandparents, you hear, like how important your faith and example is to the younger generations coming up underneath you, but like also how Paul had to encourage Timothy to fan into flame the gift that he had. How did those people who influenced your lives also encourage you to get involved? Like how to use your gifting to help other people to meet, know, and follow Jesus? Well, one of the groups that disciples me constantly is my small group. You don't mind if I plug small groups, do you? Yeah, Uh, no, please don't plug small groups. Sorry, sorry. Uh, It's a group of women. Uh, Several of them have had really difficult lives, a lot of challenges, a lot of hardships. And they talk all the time about how God used that to grow them. And as I'm going through my life when I have difficulties that I want to share with my small group, I get that encouragement from them. You keep going. You don't give up. Jesus is worth it. And so, um, yeah, I think to be discipled by the people that are close to you in your life, is it's it's an important thing. That's so sweet. I would say that Jennifer really taught me how to fan and flame the gift of God by, first of all, teaching me how to study the Bible because that was new to me. And so she taught me what how to study the Bible for myself. 
And then she would challenge me to share the gospel. So she actually taught me how to share the gospel with others, and then she would make me go do it. So uh, she would turn around and say, okay, next week you're going to go share this, this person and this person or, you know, the people you choose in your life. And I was like, okay, yes, ma'am. And, um, yeah, so that really challenged me to get out of my comfort zone and own what I believed. So, yeah. um, I would say that most of the Many people led by example in our lives. They would, uh, in my life, um, they would walk the walk and show how to do that. They fed into my life, and in turn, as people came to me, I was able to speak into their lives as well, which is a wonderful gift to be able to have that. Because experience, that wisdom, that um, older believers have, yep. and it doesn't have to be the age thing either. Sometimes it's the younger believer that's walked a long time and the older believer that comes to know later yeah. um, need that encouragement, that en enjoyment of being able to feel the Lord working in their lives. Yeah, so. that's so sweet. I did uh, forewarn these three ladies that um, I reserved the right to ask them questions that they did not receive ahead of time. Uh -oh. To which someone said, what, we expected that, basically, <laughs> throw me under the bus, Brenda. Um, but the question that is just like, as I'm hearing your guys' stories is, I, I feel compelled to ask this question, like, how has your one-up, because that's the language you've been using, like, who's your one-up, who's the one pouring into you, how have they um, encouraged you to keep pursuing Jesus when you're close to, let's just say, wanting to throw in the towel? or when fear is grabbing you, or when you're in a difficulty, and you're like, God, I don't see you, I don't know, like, are you here, are you faithful, do you care? Like, how have they kept you focused on Jesus, or how has their life, like, continued to push you on? Well, I still feel my grandmother's influence in my life today, and um, I had, a, I was raised in the church, I was baptized when I was 10, um, and then when um, my husband and I decided to get married, um, the pastor who'd been my pastor for a long time refused to marry us because he'd been raised in the Catholic Church. And it really wounded me. And I just kind of walked away from church for several years. Uh, but God kept calling me back. And honestly, even though my grandmother had already passed, I kept thinking, I need something that's real. I need something that I can hold on to. And I realized that that's how she led her life. Jesus was her rock, and it just never wavered. And even though she wasn't there, she was instrumental in encouraging me to give it another look. So you know, don't don't give up. Jesus is worth it again. So sweet. Just so sweet. Yeah, I think sometimes when we're in a position where we don't know what to do next, what um, God is faithful. Um, when I was given a diagnosis of cancer and was in a really rough um, situation as far as my health was concerned, I would say that there were a there was a community of fellowship. Of, of our, um, the people that supported us that came around and, and lifted me in prayer when I couldn't mm. 
do it when yeah. I wasn't able to. He was there. And the same um, when, when we went through a health scare with Steve, that community we knew was going to be supporting us, and, and our families reached out to their communities, and we have people all over the world praying for us. That's so that's an amazing testimony of what the family of God yeah. can do, and those disciples that can, yeah. disciplers that can come into your life and just take that. Morgan, I got a specific question for you. Ooh, okay, bring it. Why? <laughs> hmm. <laughs> You've been prepped on this one, okay? Why are you passionate about discipling the youth? Oh, man. Okay. Um, I think I'm passionate about discipling youth or those that are younger than me because it's where I saw my life change. Um, I, like I said, I didn't grow up in a Christian home and um, my family doesn't know Jesus yet, um, but I saw my life change forever when I was discipled by lots of amazing women at this church. And so it's hard to say, like I didn't, when I graduated high school and I went to college, it was kind of a no-brainer for me. I just turned around and started doing it again. Like I just got involved and started um, leading a group of middle school girls because, I don't know, it, it was the most natural thing. It's what changed my life, so it was an easy yes. I, yeah. I thought, yeah, I want to do the same thing that impacted me. And so, yeah, that set me on a journey of um, discipling middle school and high school girls, and yeah. I just can't get enough of it, so, yeah. That's so sweet. Um, Sandy, this one's for you. You and Steve, your husband, have been just tremendous servants in, in like very pastoral within um, our church, specifically within the, the older generations. I think of the Joy Lunch and all that kind of stuff. Can you share with us your passion and love for that generation and how that generation can really shape the church and even make an internal impact on the younger generation? Yeah, when Brandon put that question on my, on my, the paper that said, how is the older generation, how are you passionate about it? I'm thinking, I'm the older generation. <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> so I'm How do you ask that it. question without being rude? <laughs> it's very kind of you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, especially those that have walked with the Lord through many years have so much experience and a wealth of wisdom and a wealth of knowledge and just knowing so much how God has worked in their lives and can pass that on. You know, um, a lot of times when, as, as I was younger, going through situations um, and just expressing that to some of those hardships to people that, and having them say, oh yeah, I remember. I was, I was there. I, and this is, you know, just God is faithful. He will bring you through it. He will make it happen. And so as I see the older generation, there's nothing in the Bible that says anything about retirement. So we never retire from our faith. And those, um, those saints, those are, that are us old people, have much we would um, be glad to share. And, and yeah. much we would be glad to say how God has been faithful and has led us so many ways in our lives. Yeah. I know for my wife and I, like when we were engaged, we were both in college, discipled by this couple, Ellen Joyce Jarvanen, like just sweet and passionate. And I remember for me specifically, Elle, 
um, Jarvin, and he had to have been in his upper 70s, low 80s. I'm a young college guy thinking about going into ministry, and he, <laughs> it was funny because, like, my wife and Joyce would be in a different room, and, you know, they're all, you know, engaging in real sweet conversation where I am sitting being preached at with this guy <laughs> right across the table and, and it was so loud that like they can hear it and Joyce would say to Chris, oh, that's just ale, isn't he cute, you know, but their, their life like played such a significant impact on my life. I don't know if I would be where I was if it wasn't for that intentional investment into my life. Mm-hmm. Um, Brenda, one of the things that really blessed me was, was it last Sunday? Or, yes, it was. It was last Sunday. You sent me an email just sharing what God was doing in your heart. Can you just share with us that story? Um, yes. I, um, I was aware of the fact that the IF, the IF gathering for women, was scheduled at the church. And I was kind of on the fence about, am I going to go, am I not going to go? You know, it's like a whole weekend that I'm dedicating my time, like could be doing other things. And so I'd asked my daughter to go with me, and she said, that sounds good. And then my grandson's basketball schedule came out, so she had to back out at the last minute. And I was kind of thinking, well, maybe I won't go. And then I listened to Brandon's sermon. And I really felt inspired that I might have something that could help someone else in their life, but I've got, I've got to know who that person is. I mean, somebody's got to reach out to me. I've got to reach out to them. I said, immediately, as soon as you finish preaching, I signed up for that gathering. And um, I walked in on Friday night and kind of picked a seat And within about three minutes, a woman came and sat down, and she looked at me, and she said, we were in a Bible study together years ago, weren't we? And I said, yeah, I I remember that. And she said, I saw that video that the church did about you and your husband. For you, those of you that don't know, my husband came to faith after us being married for 52 years and me praying for him. And yeah, God... God is awesome. And, um, and she looked at me and she said, I saw that video and I really wanted to send you an email because that's where I am in my life right now. And she said, I, it encouraged me and I need some encouragement. And so we have shared phone numbers and email addresses. We're getting together for coffee. And this is just something that God did because I asked him, please show me someone, yeah. Lord. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that because yeah. it's just like, one, you follow through to the Holy Spirit stirring you and convicting you, and you immediately took action, you followed through, you went in with your eyes looking up, like we've been talking in John 4, like, look up, the mm-hmm. harvest is ripe, and, and you saw God's faithfulness just perfectly lining all of that up, yeah. which is so incredibly sweet. Yeah. Thanks I'm for sharing. I'm going to speak in on that, too, because I think... When we walk into the church doors, a lot of times we're thinking, what can we get out of church? Mm. What's going to come to me? But I really think the Lord has a whole different plan for us because I think he wants us to have his eyes and his heart. And he wants us to look out and, and fellowship with the people that are around us, meet them, know them, and find out if there is some way that you can speak into their lives. Just listening to the Holy Spirit and realizing 
he has that nudge that he gives us to um, want to meet and know others that are around us. And it's a special um, yeah. gift that he gives us. Yeah. Um, I, I have two questions that I want to ask last as we, before we transition. Um, we are a very unique and multi-generational and multi-ethnic church, which is such a beautiful thing. Within that realm, specifically within multi-generationalism, there can be intimidation between generations uh, just because of how they relate, or how they dress, how they sit, wh whatever it is within a church culture and context. Like um, Brenda and, and, and um, <laughs> oh my goodness, Sandy, well, I can't believe I forgot your name for a second there. Um, oh what my would goodness, you, it could don't be, be nervous. Old don't be nervous. I just, just fit, yeah, I, I mean, I'm intimidated. You, okay. Um, what would you two say to the younger generations, and let's just put an age on it, 45 years old and younger, what would you say to them about the older generation as it relates to discipleship? That's, you, you don't have to be too nice. You can be honest. <laughs> well, that, that's the age of my children and their friends. Um, and I think that those of us that have walked for a long time with Jesus, we do have the benefit of experience and some knowledge that you really can't get out of books. You just get it with the hard knocks of life. And um, I, I love that generation. I do uh, because of the fact that my children kind of grew up in this church, worked in this church, had a lot of friends in this church. Tons of them still call me Mama Lucky. And I, I love that generation. And I, if there's anything that I can share with them that benefits them in their life, I think that's what God is calling me to do. Uh, but I have to open myself up first. And I told Brandon earlier this morning, I have been so guilty of being fearful of hurting someone's feelings or uh, maybe being seen as maybe this lady's a little bit crazy if she just wants to come up and talk to me about Jesus. I, I'm not there anymore. I'm sorry. I, I, that, <laughs> that if gathering really lit my fire. If ladies, <laughs> were y'all there? Yeah. Um, and so I want to do anything that I can to share Jesus with anyone. And that generation, yes, but the younger ones too. Yeah. yeah. Well, Brenda kind of said it all. <laughs> she, uh, I, I agree with everything that she has to say. I think um, the, the same. My kids are in that age bracket too. And um, with the... Uh, the experience, again, we're, sometimes I guess we're unapproachable. I, I would hope we wouldn't be unapproachable, but um, I've often said, you know, uh, Morgan said she didn't have the heritage of a wonderful Christian family and not Christian parents. You know, if you're in that situation, find some of us in the older generation and adopt us. We'll be glad to be your grandparents. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> we'll be glad to speak spiritually into the lives of your children. That's well said. Um, it's just a wonderful family that we have. We have spiritual brothers and sisters, moms and dads, and um, 
because God has gifted us with that. Yeah. So. That's so sweet. Morgan, um, you represent Gen Z, millennial, you know, I'm going to guess probably Gen Z. Yeah. I'm technically a millennial, but it's okay. Okay. Millennial, Gen Z, whatever, it's all, it's all relative. I'm a Gen Xer, we don't care. Um, <laughs> we're the forgotten group. Um, I'm okay. Um, but like, millennials and Gen Z have gotten a bad reputation in a lot of ways. Um, they spoiled, selfish, entitled. Quite frankly, some of it's very true. But when you look at it culturally, the millennials and Gen Z come from the most broken homes ever recorded in history. Most of them don't have the solid two pairs of mom and dad in the home or like whatever kind of like, or they don't have a spiritual heritage. So saying that, like, what would you say to the older generations um, specifically about what you're seeing happening in the younger generation and what they can do to come alongside the younger generation? Man, such a good question. Um... Well, first of all, I would say that like the millennials, like all of us, the younger generation, like we are the internet generation. And so um, I was thinking about this and we are the generation that goes to Google for all of our answers. And so we really need the older generation to be the flesh and bone, to be the lived out experience of what it actually looks like to follow Jesus day in and day out. Um, but what I would say to the older generation about what I see at least, you know, happening from my perspective is, um, I mean, there's a lot of different things, right? But from what I see with a lot of my friends that have walked away from faith is there's a lot of deconstruction, like we've talked about. There's a lot of deconstruction of faith without, like, proper reconstruction of faith. And um, I think maybe what's missing is a... A vulnerability and a safe place to be able to share a lot of those doubts and wrestle with them because what I've noticed is a lot of people do a lot of their wrestling behind closed doors without wisdom and um, if there's any way that the older generation can help walk alongside us and make it a safe place to answer questions and be like hey, yeah I've also walked through doubt and this is how I came out on the other side I think that would be incredibly hopeful for people yeah. that have questions and are just running to anyone else that will give them answers rather that's than sweet. like truth so thank you that's, that's so well said ladies thank you so much for sharing church let's give them a hand the mics on the chair thank you um, we're going to now, I don't know how this is going to go, this is, this is risky, you're going to understand why, but um, I asked um, Taylor Clark, Pastor BJ, and Pastor Kel Casto to come on up, and we're going to ask them this question, because what's beautiful about this relationship um, is, if we go back to 2 Timothy 2.2, Paul said to Timothy, <laughs> um, that's twice. Paul said to Timothy, Monday's coming, um, <laughs> entrust into reliable people so that they can also pass it on. And what's beautiful about this relationship is Taylor passed on to BJ and BJ passed it on to Kel. And so we get this beautiful picture of multi-generational discipleship that's happening. And so just wanted to ask him a question specifically. <laughs> <laughs> See, I told you, like, I have no idea how this is going to go. Like, us in our normal habitat right here. Yeah. 
I'm actually intimidated a little bit. Um, but anywho, gentlemen, thank you so much for being willing to do this. But like, can you just share with us, like, how did you all start this discipleship journey? Like, how did you two connect? And then how did you two connect and all that kind of good stuff? I'll, I'll take this one. Um, so I, I came to the church in 2004, and Taylor was one of the first people that I, that I met here. He, I think you were on the search committee that, that, that brought me here, and um, I, I had no experience in youth ministry and um, like was just, like just starting off and, and trying to figure out uh, this world. And um, after about a year, I, I got to know Taylor a little bit more, and, and I saw some of the people that I was doing youth ministry with, and I was like, hey, we need to... We need to like encourage one another to, to know Jesus more and we probably need to find somebody that's gonna lead us because I don't think I can do this. And so I just shot for the stars and I was like, who's the who's the one that's that's you up missed. there? And I found I found Taylor. <laughs> I'm the second choice. I landed was on the moon. I shot for the stars, landed on the moon, and that was Taylor. Um, and uh, and so then at, at that same time, uh, this guy was was in sixth grade, and I was working with middle school kids, and he happened to be uh, one of my sixth graders in 2005. So that's that's how, how that's it amazing. happened. Yeah, that's so. That is beautiful. I, I love that picture, and I, I'm probably safe to assume that your definition or your expectation of what discipleship was and what it is now has changed and morphed throughout this relationship? Like, if so, I would love to hear, like, how that has changed. Yeah, uh, so I had, you know, being in sixth grade, I had no conception of what discipleship was. Why? So I shot for the stars, uh, and I, you know, no, I, uh, <laughs> no, I, for me, for me, discipleship, uh, I, it, there was no word to put to anything um, to what was happening because I came into the youth ministry. BJ was my small group leader and also the middle school pastor. And um, we just began building a relationship. And so my idea of discipleship has largely been influenced by what I saw and experienced with BJ uh, about how he built relationship with me, how he uh, invested in me, how he came after me and showed me what it looked like to follow Christ. And I was like, cool, let me now do those things now that I'm older. So my discipleship, is largely influenced by how BJ discipled me. Yeah, I would say that uh, for me, just all discipleship, um, I'm gonna say it starts with my 95-year-old mother that sits out oh. there today. Woo she was a, was and still is an incredible godly example for me, but also, you know, kind of in my life growing up, I had different people that kind of poured into me specifically a man that uh, in my late 20s invited me into a, a small group. And it was a small group that was studying the book of Romans, and it really changed my spiritual trajectory. A guy, he was a few years older, we had four or five guys, and, and got together and just really got into the Word and studied. And so when, you know, BJ or other guys asked me to be, uh, uh, to, to disciple them, I mean, you know, you never feel like you're qualified enough, right? You're always like, gosh, I got to be a theologian to do all this. And that's just not true. I think just being one step ahead or even right there with them yeah. and just walking through uh, Scripture and life, I think it's, 
it, it, it's, it's helping them grow in their relationship with Christ, but it's also relational. I mean, I think so much of discipleship comes out of relationship. I think that's what's changed for me a lot, is realizing it's not just head knowledge that we're passing on, not just knowledge of Scripture, but also doing life together. I mean, we've been through a lot of stuff together, and, and that's part of discipleship. So Yeah. So I want to ask a real pragmatic, practical question, because I'm sure when we think about discipleship, the question of what do we do is there. So, like, can you share with us, like, how did you actually go about discipling each other? Like, did you, was it like we went through a book, we went through a curriculum? Was it that and doing life? Was it like all of the things there? Maybe I'm answering the question before I ask the question. But, like, what did you guys do practically? Well, for us... Um we all got together and just decided what we wanted to study. I mean, we wanted it to be founded in Scripture, right? I mean, Scripture, there's no better book to study with guys. And so we, we would pick different books. I know we went through Romans one time, and we did some different things. So that was a big portion of it. And, and it's fun to, to, to wrestle through theology with guys or to discuss and, and help each other grow in our understanding of what God wants us to be and who Jesus wants us to be. But in the midst of that, it's doing life together. Hmm. So I think half of our sessions would be about, what are you struggling with? What's going on in your life? I remember back when we started, you were a single man. And uh, uh, I remember that whole question. Not always by choice. <laughs> you, you did well. You married way above your head, buddy. Uh, but... I was able to walk through that with BJ, just the whole courting deal. I think he wanted to marry Luisa after the, like the second month. I was like, whoa, whoa, buddy, let's, let's pump the brakes on that. But uh, Had to lock it down, okay? Exactly. <laughs> but but it's, it's doing life, right? I mean, just all the guys that went on our study and the things they were going through and, ob, you know, taking it back to God's word, but scripture with doing life is what I would say. That's so sweet. Yeah, for me, it was... It, it was like understanding, kind of growing in a knowledge of who God was. And that was kind of like the reason to get together. But the benefit of getting together was I, I knew that I was loved by Taylor. Yeah. I, I, he, he took time out of his schedule to, to just be with me. And yeah, the scripture was there. The book was there. The, uh, the, the theology was there. We, we kind of navigated, like we did everything. Like it, that, was, that was part of it. But it, the fact that he kept setting time aside to be there was what was more impactful because what he didn't know was I was watching him the entire time. Hmm. I was watching what he was doing and, and, and learning and, and, and seeing how his faith played out and asking him questions about his business and his family and his life and asking for advice and mine. And just his willingness, not just like in advice, but like, hey, come have dinner, come have lunch with me, come, like, hey, come out to, to the house and, and we'll hang out and have fun, or like just the generosity that him and Gail had for, for Louisa and I, like was modeling it for me. And, and at the end of the day, I could just only say that I, I felt loved in that scenario more than I, like, I feel like what we learned in that was, yeah. is somehow, uh, missing. So good. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with y'all. Um, I think it started from like a practical standpoint. Obviously, we had a very practical structure because he was my small group leader. It was like, hey, once a week. But that was as we were building a relationship. Once we 
started getting closer in relationship and there was more of a friendship and a connection there, uh, BJ just made himself very available to me. And in the same way that BJ was talking uh, about how he was experiencing everything with Taylor and uh, walking through different things, you know, BJ met me when I was 11. I'm almost 29 now, uh, which uh, being a youth pastor is a really funny age because now like half the audience is going, oh, you're so old. And half the audience is going like, wow, you're so young and fresh. Uh, but having walked through middle school, high school, going to college, uh, getting a job, uh, starting to date Courtney, getting engaged and going through engaged and getting married. And now like BJ and Louisa, both disciple me and Courtney, uh, walking through everything together. BJ has, it started as a practical, hey, this is the structure of this, but it progressively turned into, this is the relationship we have and me getting to see all of the things that I walked through going like I got to, I was not physically present, but emotionally present whenever like Colton was born uh, and like getting to see them become parents and becoming like married together and what that looked like. And that was really sweet for me to observe. And the relationship was always there. Uh, and that's why I've just, you know, continually followed BJ wherever he goes because uh, <laughs> it just, it makes the most sense to me. Uh, I don't know what to do other than that, uh, but, <laughs> uh, but truly like he's just, I've always had the freedom and availability to ask questions uh, and he's always had the freedom and availability because of the relationship that he built with me, the love that he showed me to speak into my life the ways that I needed to uh, and not always just like, hey, you go, Kel, but also the like, Kel, this is the direction you need to step in and you may be, you know, going off the way you need to go. And so there's, it started practical, but the practical part of it is just, do you have love yeah. and care for this person? Yeah. I, I love it. Like this was, I didn't know what your responses were going to be to that question, but I like, I hope, I hope you all caught that. Like how you see this, follow my pattern, follow my pattern, follow my pattern, right? Like that, that's the heartbeat of discipleship is imitation. And it starts with follow me as I follow Jesus, imitate me as I imitate Jesus, which is such a beautiful dynamic. Now I do know all three of you guys, and you're also the type of people that love to be blunt and honest and forthright in your relationships. And so I, I do want to ask this question of like, like how has your one up shown you that Jesus is worth it? And for those, like, and how has your one down blessed and challenged you as the one up? Um, so I don't have a one down on this stage, so I think it tracked to just go up. Um, but for, for BJ, for me, walking through the different aspects of my life. BJ was who really showed me what it looked like to follow Jesus. And I knew about it as the head knowledge, uh, but it was never really a personal relationship with me until I got to experience things with BJ. So as I was processing through things with my parents' divorce and looking through that and experiencing, you know, the different things that came with that, BJ stepped into my life and showed me, like this was a person who understood where I was coming from and what I felt and was walking, like who had walked through things with me and actively showed me what it looked like to not just walk through those things, but that Jesus is better, that Jesus is worth it. Uh, you know, coming from an athletics background, it was really cool. Like 
I, I wanted to be BJ, like, completely. I bought rice hats. Uh, I was like, <laughs> I, I was like, I'm gonna be BJ Ferguson. Uh, and, like, it was a thing where I, I wanted obsession? to... Um, no, I, I mean, no, it's... it's uh, I, I do too. So. It's like, it's kind of like a fine line, isn't it? But I, like, for me, I, I, I just loved learning from him because him coming from this background, even spoke into the things that I was going through and going like, hey, no ma- like better than, you know, anything you're going to walk through, better than any relationship, better than school, better than sports, better than whatever, is Jesus. Uh, and that never made sense until I saw that with BJ and who spoke that into my life. Mm. And so when all the hard things have happened through my life, I've always been able to stand solid on Jesus is better because I've seen that with BJ. That's sweet. Yeah, I would say that for my one-ups, I mean, they were always willing to ask the tough questions. Usually it was someone a little bit further down the road than I was, but also someone that was able to look into my life and kind of say, hey, T, are you thinking about this? Or how about this? Or would God have you do this? So definitely asking tough questions on a one-up. But I would say as far as my one-down, like now, BJ and I have incredible conversations. I would almost consider us peers. Um, He's helped me. Uh, through some situations relationally that, uh, you know, we've been involved with here at the church and things. And uh, uh, he's also helped me, like, with my, I got teenage boys. And uh, Are they still teenagers? Well, one's not. <laughs> they they, they both act that. like it, for sure. Uh, but, but one is a teenager, one's 22. But, uh, you know, just as they were teenagers and going through high school and all the fun that goes with that, BJ was able to help me think through things and, and speaking to. And I, to me, it's turned more of into a peer relationship than me discipling and pouring into him. I think hopefully we st- I still sharpen you in areas, but he definitely, uh, it's reciprocal, I would say, for sure. Sweet. Yeah, yeah sp- specifically, like for me, you know, um, when I'm looking at, at Taylor as my one-up, um, it was, and I, and I mentioned this before, it was just watching him live his life. And, um, you know, he and I had talked about this before, but, like, I, um, uh, he, he had a daughter, Riley Jane, uh, who had uh, severe special needs um, and ended up passing away um, about 10 years ago, um, 10 years ago. And... Um, in, in, in that time that I knew him, I got to watch him love Riley Jane and then mourn, like, her passing and, and celebrate, like, with Jesus that she was standing in front of Jesus. And, I, and I, got to, I got to watch somebody who told me so much about faith live out faith in a way that, like, as a parent now, I can't understand. I can't imagine the pain and the difficulty of that and yet still look to you, your faithfulness just in that particular season and go, like, I, I want that kind of faith and, and, and living that out. And then also when, when I've experienced difficult seasons, you've, you've challenged me to love my, my wife whenever I was frustrated and you, you pushed into me in, in hard ways in difficult seasons and, and, and pointed me to, towards Christ and I, and I could listen to you and trust you because of how I've seen you, you live your life and uh, your, your faithfulness to, to the Lord and to me. And so, and, and with Kel, like, I, I need his wisdom. Like, 
there is no better student of the next generation than, than this guy right here. And, and just, I've known that he's good at putting on events and, and making people feel loved, but like he, is, he has shown me new ways to just observe, observe culture. And, and that's been a blessing to our church just in the short time that he's been, yeah. been back here in the, in, in the last two months to me. And so um, that's one up, one down for me. That's awesome. Um, if you could share or challenge the church with one thing, what they can do to help them start their discipleship journey, what would be that one thing you would like to encourage them with? I'm so glad you asked that, Brandon. It's not like I had emailed you that question. <laughs> well, first off, um, I, I just, I can't emphasize enough the benefits of being in a small group with guys that love you, that you love. I mean, it's fun, first off. I mean, it's just, we have a blast. But also, uh, like these guys have talked about, just the love that you have for each other, the encouragement that you have. And for guys, you know, we need that as guys. Iron sharpens iron, right? And so I hope you see the incredible benefits of doing that. I would encourage every man in here uh, to be involved in some type of man-on-man small group uh, situation. We, this coming Thursday night, we have a, our men's gathering. And what we're trying to do is encourage men to take the next step in getting involved. And, and really, discipleship is just about wherever you are, moving you one step ahead, hopefully, and, and, and on and on to where you become disciple makers eventually. So it doesn't matter what you know or, or how long you've been here or anything. Just, just stick your foot in the water and, and, and dive in. But we're hoping to help men get involved in small groups and create kind of the things that we're talking about here. Come Thursday night. Come visit me. We'll help you get in a small group because we know the benefits of it. I mean, Brandon knows the benefits of it and just really want to encourage. I, I just, the depth of the spiritual temperature of this church will elevate if we're all involved in, in somebody else's life, I think. That's and good. so, anyway. Uh, Ten seconds. <laughs> Not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> you gave me a mic. This is, this is your mistake. Uh, no, as Taylor was saying, I think it's really important, not only, you know, before I get to the investing, like, down, like, I think it's really important to make sure that you are being poured into. Uh, I have a, you know, common analogy that I'll use with, like, student leaders is if you're, you know, if you're a pitcher of water and you have no one, you know, pouring water into you, eventually you're going to be empty or pouring out things that are not good. So I think it's important that you have that person that is pouring into you. I think the men's gatherings, the women's gatherings are perfect places to do that, making sure you have small groups that you are plugged into so that way you have people investing into your life. Uh, And then a not-so-shameless plug, I am the student pastor. If you are not aware, uh, students' ministry is always looking for people. The kids' (laughs) ministry, always looking for people. I think it's so important uh, to be able to invest and to pour into people who are younger, who, you know, are that next stage. And like Taylor said earlier, uh, it's not a like, oh man, but I, you know, I don't know as much or I'm a fresh believer. That's okay. It's the relationship. It's the willingness. It's the love and care. And so I would say like the best thing you can do to start, pray, 
you know, do what Jesus did, like pray and like that God would reveal as the ladies were saying earlier, who are those people in your life? Where is that area? Be receptive and open. For me, if you have a, like, if you want to be a good discipler, your heart has to be broken for the people you are pouring into. Um, We, you know, being in a student pastor in South Austin, there are thousands of students who don't know Jesus right next door, right down the street, right in our area. It is, and if your heart doesn't break for that, that's where you need to start, you know? And so my, you know, first thing is pray that you would have the same heart for discipleship that Jesus has. Uh, And then there are, there are places where you can get involved and you don't have to be the best. Uh, The things that I remember most about BJ are not the fact that he was my student pastor, it's the fact that he loved me and cared for me. It was the fact that he was there for me, uh, you know, when I needed him most. Uh, and, And that's what is going to reach this next generation, this coming generation, is not how, you know, big of an event can we put on. Those things might get someone in a door, but the thing that's going to change lives and save hearts is relationship, is people saying, I love you, I care about you, I'm here for you. Uh, and so get involved with students' ministry, get involved with kids' ministry, um, you know, pray that God would reveal something. You already have one. Yeah, I stole one from him. No, I'm good. Stop. Um, <laughs> so I, I, heard, I heard this in, um, in, in Sandy and... Uh, uh, Brenda and Morgan earlier. Uh, it's the like, um, ask somebody to to invest in you, or um, like the the willingness to like for somebody to invite. And and here's what I've seen: the biggest obstacle. I I don't want to bother anybody by by asking them to come. Like I, I don't want them to think that I'm too arrogant or I'm too too holy or anything like that. That I'm gonna I'm gonna. I'm going to ask you to come learn from me. That's a, there's an obstacle there. And then on the other side, it's like, I'm not going to, I don't want to bother that person. I don't want them to come. We, we need to get rid of that because that is the lie of the enemy. The enemy is saying, hey, they don't want to do that. that. Like, you don't deserve that. You can't do that. I, I think we need to, to flip it and go like, I'm, I'm going to listen to the Lord and I'm going to go invite somebody into relationship with me to be like, I'm going to share with you what God has done in my life in hopes that it would, it would help you follow Jesus more. And that's a, that's a discipleship mindset. And so to, to the older generation, I'm asking you, would you please open your eyes and go, this is what God has done in my life. I want you to know it so that you worship Jesus more and, and younger generation, if you're craving that example, if you're craving that place, then I'm asking you to be willing to be the persistent person that goes and asks, hey, would you be willing to invest in my life? Like, let's no longer be scared to go yeah. ask those questions because if we stay scared, we're going to stay at this deadlock and, it's, and nothing's going to happen. So my encouragement there is that we would be willing to... to to get over ourselves and ask somebody on a first date. So Yeah. Sweet. With that being said, um, gentlemen, thank you so much for sharing your heart with us. Really appreciate it. Uh, we are now going to turn into um, 
a time of celebration. I mean, like, honestly, this is why I love the fact that we're still saying it's a celebration Sunday because discipleship is what we should celebrate, right? It's the go into all the world, making disciples, baptizing them. That's where they come to know Jesus, and we celebrate that, and helping others to know Jesus and to follow Jesus and to obey all that he's commanded. And so that's part of this thing. And so now I want us to turn our hearts to the Lord, Okay, for us to re- be reminded of the gospel and go, how can we be strengthened by the grace that's in Jesus? And Lord, what can I do? How can I look up and invest my life into someone else? Because the ripple effects, you have no idea. Listen, church, we are here today because of people a hundred years ago who said yes to Jesus. Discipleship is important. And so within that in mind, I want to pray for us, and we're going to sing a song, and we're going to move into a time of celebrating the Lord's Supper, and we're going to celebrate life change. So would you join me in prayer? Lord, we ask, God, that even in this, this moment that your spirit would ch- like just stir us up. Lord, would you remind us of the gospel? That you are the one that resurrected and you're the one that's on the throne. You're the one who paid the price so that we can be free. You're the one that's given us all authority. And you've given us this great mandate, this great opportunity to partner with you, to be involved in people's lives, to help them be uh, captivated by Jesus. And to, yes, I believe it, to change a generation. So, Lord, would you use this moment to grab our hearts? In Christ's name.